Hey guys, Pods Ninja here, the one and only dedicated to the African people and culture. You are welcome to the listening hub of the century. I hope you all know that you can listen to me on almost any platform spotify anchor stitcher radio public in fact recently i got hooked with a freshly distribution platform jamit fm i'm so happy about this particular one because this is a platform that seeks to promote african podcasters and you know black power is black excellence so yeah i love it before I forget, um, a very big thank you to all of you, my loyal, loyal listeners out there. And some of you who take our time to read my blogs, your testimonials keep me going. Oh my God. Sometimes I wonder why you all describe this simple show the way you do. Suffice to say, darlings, without you, there is no part Niger. 600 years of enjoyment for me. Kindly follow on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter for updates. Oh, yes. Don't forget to subscribe to my YouTube channel as well. You can check out my website. I will be putting the link in the description. Finally, this is not going to be a short episode. And um, bear with me. And there may be some little background interference, but I promise you, you will enjoy every moment of it because I've prepared a spicy, juicy dish of interesting stuff. Things, facts, you name it. My mission today is simple, to blow your mind. Poof, stay tuned. On the interesting African fact on May segment, we will be looking at Madagascar. Madagascar is home to many unusual creatures, like the satanic leaf-tailed geckos, yes, the giant jumping rats, and a lot more. But for many years, the strangest form of life on the island was believed to be a tree that eats people. It all started when a New York World article was published on April 28, 1874. And this story went into great detail about the tree and a particular tribe that worshipped it. When I was going through the description, um, there was this journalist or explorer who talked about the the Mkodos, that, that's the tribe. They lived in caves, they wore no clothes, they had no religion. All they wanted to do was worship the sacred tree. This explorer claims in his observation that the tribe will surround the tree, pick a woman and use javelins to force her to climb to the top of the tree where she becomes dinner. <laughs> oh my God. And he, he, he insisted that this was a true tale. Like he saw it happen. And it's like the most horrific thing he has ever seen. Well, what can I say? This, this story is like way back. I wasn't even born when this story was published. But yeah, this is some um, myth 
Yeah, I think they should go for a mate. So for the next 14 years, um, this publication was widely spread and um, a lot of people believed it, some did not. I don't. I don't know if you do, but there's also a possibility that <clears throat> there really could be a, a tree that eats people or flesh. Well, next up is Port's Ninja Persons of Interest. Stay tuned. Talking about persons of interest, I have a very interesting narration today. Um, it is going to be um, that of a contest and a protest, both responsible for the clarity and definition of the term women's liberation. I am talking about the Miss World Contest of 1970 that saw the emergence of the first Black Miss World in the person of Jennifer Hussein representing Grenada at the time and coming just in second place Pearl Hansen Miss Africa South so I watched the movie Misbehavior and I said to myself I was going to make a podcast of the events of 1970 so we will start with the protest and take it one step at a time If there was a moment when second wave feminism get crushed the public consciousness in the United Kingdom, it was surely on the evening of 20th November 1970. This was the night that activists from newly formed women's liberation movement disrupted the Miss World Contest, which was being televised by the BBC at the time. They threw flower bombs and rotten fruit at the co-host Bob Hope. And this was a night when multiple political struggles collided, competed, and coexisted. Now, concerning the women's liberation movement, um, first I'd like to give a brief definition. The women's right movement is also known as the women's liberation movement. It involves the fight and struggle for equal rights and opportunities and greater personal freedom for women. And you can imagine what life must have been like in the 1970s. It coincided with and is recognized as part of the second wave of feminism, while the first wave of the 19th and the early 20th centuries focused on women's legal rights, especially the right to vote. So this second wave, which is the women's right uh, movement, touched on every area of a woman's experience, including politics, her work, her family, her sexuality. This was really an important day in the history of women's liberation. Shortly after crowning the Miss World of 1970, and thanks to the disruption of the event by those young women, the first ever Women's Liberation March happened. On that day, it snowed, and Women's Liberation members took to the streets to march for equal pay and equal rights for the first time. 
Many had marched before against the Vietnam War, for example, but never for women's liberation. And this, my friend, was the beginning of what we see today as feminism, sexism, violence against women and girls, gender-based violence, and much more. These times came to life because of the act of those few young women who disrupted the Miss World contest. Still talking about the contest, um, two beautiful young black women made it to the Miss World competition. I can imagine how surreal it must have felt. Pearl was certain that they would not go far. I mean, what were the chances of a black woman becoming a runner-up, let alone winning the Miss World? And yet, as luck would have it, as Mother Nature would have it, as God would have it, it was a time for certain statements to be made. It was just a perfect moment for, you know, coinciding with the women's liberation movement. The women's group did theirs, and black women gave hope to millions more that the world was indeed theirs to take after all. She was known simply as Miss Grenada during the competition and pretty much an ordinary lady before the competition. This beauty queen was the first black woman to be crowned Miss World. Amidst global racism and tensions between the black and white communities all over the world, Jennifer Hustin, the 22-year-old representative, made history when she won the coveted crown. She became the first black woman to win the Miss World, overcoming challenges the show had experienced then. We all know, for some of us, uh, well, it's of recent that I, I came to that understanding, that the 1970 Miss World competition uh, was marked, or is marked, okay, as one of the most controversial in history of pageantry since it began in July 1951. And prior to the event, there had been lots of debate about the number of black women in these competitions, as well as the fact that South Africa had sent two delegates for the pageant, which is very funny. A white Miss South Africa and a black Miss South Africa. Well, she was called Miss um, Africa South. So, However, after Huston was crowned and, and, and uh, the black Miss South Africa coming in second place, with Miss Israel as ter- in, in third place, several people gathered at the Royal Albert Hall protesting in favor of Miss Sweden at the time, who was uh, the favorite. A lot of people expected her to win. Uh, they believed she should have won. Several petitions were sent to the BBC to protest, uh, handing over the crown to a black woman like the audacity of doing such a thing and many others were displeased some believe that the competition was rigged in favor of a black woman <laughs> what are the chances so apparently three this protest the protest the contest you know changed the tides permit me to say uh, there was also another protest 
two separate protests had been held one by a group of feminists who complained about the pageantry they felt that um the pageantry was was akin to the cattle market the second protest was more political and dangerous because it involved explosion set up by anarchists and then yeah so three three happenings on that day well i guess 2020 is not only the interesting year after all This is the Global Matters segment where I do more of advocacy and talk about the Smile Outreach update. Uh, this particular aspect of the segment, I am titling it as Looters in Low and High Places. Recently, and just quickly after the Lekki uh, shooting causing an abrupt stop to the NSAS protest, the nation was plunged into a tsunami of mass looting. It turns out that our leaders had hidden COVID-19 palliatives in several warehouses scattered across the state. How this got to the public ears, I have no idea. Part of me thinks it's a strategy used to distract hungry youth from the NSAS movement. Another part feels like it's really just been discovered. So, but, but, but that's not the point. That's not the point, really. These were palliatives. Palliatives, let me speak in Fowl's father's language. Indomie, free food and essentials meant for the needy, and yet they kept it hidden. Like, what's up? You people have the money already. You guys have the means to send your children to school out of the country. You go for health matters out of the country. If you want to buy chocolate, you go out of the country. Why are you taking ordinary indomie? Leave that one for us. I know this is quite... This may feel like old news, but I have to share my opinion, please. I just have to. In fact, when I was watching how these this warehouses were being discovered, I felt like some of those food items would have expired, considering that they've been kept for a long time. Mind you, looting is not right. I don't condone it. Especially um, because uh, uh, legit businesses of hardworking Nigerians were also being looted alongside these warehouses. However, however... I cannot help but name this segment looters in high and low places. Her leaders holding public materials for their selfish gains and the masses forcefully looting these hidden materials for temporary satisfaction. What a shame. Nigeria, which way? Not, right now, things are so terrible. Onions, onions is like gold. Like, in fact, I, I like I said, we start investments. Onion investment. As it grows, you make more money. <laughs> uh, it's not funny, but I just needed to make a light of it because. It's really a big problem. Away from onions, let's talk about human lives. You know, we just recently mourned the death of 
some endless protesters and now very very recently in Bono State I believe more than 40 persons 40 farmers were killed this is painful because if our farmers can't farm <laughs> then we will really be in trouble these men were beheaded in fact some of the people in the village Sabamari village in northeast Borno state feel that there were more than 70 people killed the Boko Haram I believe has claimed responsibility claiming responsibility condemning the acts a mere statement humans were killed slaughtered while carrying out their honest honest means of livelihood they were not yao yao boys they were not 419ers these men went to farm because that's the only thing that brings food to their table. And they were killed. Insecurity is a big issue in Nigeria. If they stay at home, they can die of starvation. And now, if they go to their farms, they risk getting killed. People, I'm sure you can tell that I'm really sad. Words can describe how I feel. I'm not going to lie, it's difficult to to have hope for my country in times like this. I know we're supposed to have faith. I know, but I'm a human. And I'm telling you, it's really difficult right now. If you've stayed this long, it means you're almost at the end of this podcast. I'm going to be taking a short break so that when next, uh, when I'm coming back for the um, concluding segment, you know, I, I should have added some volume to my voice. <laughs> Thank you for listening. And please wait, wait till we end it. This episode was written by Aisha Musa, an amazing intern of the Small Outreach and my humble self. We dedicate this to all Nigerian citizens, everybody, especially those who have been wronged by the government. 
and that is everybody <laughs> i just want to let you know that this is not the end nobody can ruin our country for us we will build a better nigeria to all the people we've lost we pray that their souls rest in perfect peace and may god be with us I hope you enjoyed this podcast. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Be sure to frequent this channel. Check out other episodes where you anticipate what comes next. Most importantly, check out my website. Like, I'm sure you would love it. So please just check it and drop it in or two. You can buy me coffee as well. <laughs> if you like what you hear, do not listen alone. Please, 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 and please share this episode with your friends. It's pretty easy and costs you just about 10 seconds of your time, honey. Do you have a story that needs to be heard? Feel free to send me a voice message here on Anchor or an email. Or better still, reach me on any of my social media platforms. Speaking of, Jerome, I'm still waiting for the story you said you have. You have. I'm waiting for your story. Thank you for being there and supporting me, but I'm waiting for your story. Okay, guys. Finally, finally, finally. I am most honored to be the host of this episode. As I live with you, African sounds and chants know that this is not a conclusion, but a promise for better sounds, better content, better stories, greater impact, and most importantly, a better version of us the next time we meet. See you next episode. Bye, honey.